Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Hear now the word of the Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to him, them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was still very dark when Mary Magdalene headed out to the tomb where Jesus had been buried. It was early on Sunday morning, the first day of the week, which, according to their scriptures, was also the day of creation, when the word of God spoke and light ripped apart the darkness, bringing forth the universe and life into being. But as she made her way through the cemetery, the darkness seemed to reclaim its ground, mocking her faith in the God whose very word was the power of life. For now that power seemed nowhere to be found. After all, Jesus was dead, and all of her hopes and dreams were dead with him. I mean, she had thought that he was the one who would defeat the darkness once and for all. She had thought that he was the one who would save them, but she was wrong. The darkness had won. It often seems that way in our lives, doesn't it? That the darkness is winning. 
That the power of God is nowhere to be found? I mean, just watch the news for five minutes and you'll know what I'm talking about. The darkness in our world certainly can be overwhelming at times. And yet, the darkness out there often pales in comparison to the darkness we feel on the inside. As we struggle with demons that haunt us, disgrace that shames us, disease that debilitates us, disappointment that crushes us. And yet it is the darkness of death that terrifies us most of all, filling us with a grief that makes it hard for us to put one foot in front of the other and go on. And it was through that darkness and grief that Mary Magdalene courageously made her way to the tomb. But when she arrived, she discovered something that froze her in her tracks. The stone had been rolled away, and the tomb was empty. And when you encounter something that surprising and that unexpected in life, you just have to go and tell someone else about it. And so Mary, thinking that the body of Jesus had been stolen, she picks up her skirts, and she goes running to find Peter and John to tell them this strange news. And when they hear about it, they immediately go sprinting back to see what it is for themselves. Notice all the running around which is what we usually do when we lose our sense of God's presence in our lives and we feel out of control. I can only imagine what must have been going through Peter's mind as he ran. After all, it was Peter who had so boldly declared that he would never abandon Jesus, even if all the others did. It was Peter who had boasted that he would even lay down his life for Jesus, and yet it was Peter who not two days before had denied Jesus three times before the cock crowed. And so as Peter ran, I suspect that he wasn't entirely sure he wanted to know what he would find when he got to the tomb. For you see, when they had buried Jesus... They had also buried along with him all of their hopes and dreams and all the promises Jesus had made to them, but that wasn't all they buried. They also buried all of their failures and their lack of faith and their betrayal and their guilt. Those two were lying in that tomb. But now the stone had been rolled away, revealing it all, exposing it all, once again. Maybe that's why Peter lost the race to the tomb. For a part of him was was being pulled to that tomb, that great hope bursting forth in his heart once again. The other part of him was urging him to run as fast and as far away from there as he could get, afraid of having to face it all once again. I wonder... What are you running toward in life? A promotion at work? Any job at all? A cure? Companionship? Retirement? A family? Some dream you've been chasing for so long? A miracle you're hoping Jesus will give to you? What are you running toward? Or perhaps the deeper, more revealing question, What are you running from? 
After all, most of us are on the run from something in life, whether it be a, a memory we wish we could erase, or a failure that just seems to keep following us around, or an obligation we do not want to have to meet, or bad news we do not want to accept. Maybe you're on the run from a relationship that has not gone well, or from a past you wish you could forget, or an unknown future you're afraid to face. So like Peter, many of us come here this morning filled with some ambivalence, pulled toward that great hope of Easter and yet wanting to run away at the same time, afraid of being disappointed by it. After all, Easter offers us a hope and a promise that almost seem too good to be true. That death no longer is the end of our story, that new life really is possible, that the darkness in our world and our lives will not have the last word. And oh, how we want to believe it, don't we? That's why we keep coming back year after year after year to hear this incredible news proclaimed and to ride once again on that dream for just a moment before putting our running shoes back on and heading back out to reality once again. But what if it's not just a dream? What if Easter is the greatest reality our world has ever known? What if Jesus truly is alive and present among us? Of course, some of us might be thinking they might not be the best news after all. I mean, would he even accept us knowing all that we've done? With all of our failures and our doubts and our betrayals and our sins? I mean, maybe we think it'd be better if that tomb just remained sealed and we just kept on running. But if Christ truly has won the victory over sin and the forces of darkness. If death itself has been given a death sentence, if Jesus truly is the Son of God who's come back from the dead to save us, offering us forgiveness for the past, power for the present, and hope for the future, then how can we just go back to life as usual? How can we not quit all of our running around and fall down at his feet in worship, surrendering our whole lives to him in gratitude and joyful obedience? The great poet T.S. Eliot once said, now and then life drops an unavoidable question at your door and you have to answer it. Well, the empty tomb poses just such a question. So what does it mean? Or perhaps more importantly, what does it mean for you? How will you respond to the resurrection of Jesus? Well, for many of us, it'll just be more running around which is really just our way of avoiding the question. And so we run to work and to school and the grocery store. Then we run through all of activities and our sports and everything else on our overpacked schedules. We even run through vacations meant to relax us. We run faster and faster trying to achieve, trying to fulfill our obligations, even trying to do some good for others. 
We run around frantically trying to find that thing that will make our lives feel meaningful and secure and complete. But be very sure, there is not a thing that this world has to offer that can ultimately satisfy us. There is an emptiness within us that no amount of running around can fill because it was created for a savior. So you have to decide what you're gonna do about Jesus. For he is the question knocking at your door that you cannot avoid. For to avoid is to decide. Fortunately, the disciples chose not to avoid it. And they finally arrive at the tomb to see for themselves what had happened. But John, who arrived there first, does not go into the tomb. Instead, he, he remains outside peeking in. I wonder, is there anyone here this morning who's just peeking in from the outside? Now, maybe you're drawn to Jesus, but you're not so sure about his church. Or maybe you, you just love the, the incredible good news story, but, but you're still so filled with doubts, and so you remain on the outside looking in, afraid to commit. But notice in our text, it was only when John took that leap of faith and went in that he believed. Because faith is more about action than it is about subscribing to a list of items in a creed. For it is only when we commit to following Jesus that we truly begin to believe and understand. For it is in our obedience that the risen Savior comes and makes his presence and power known in our lives. Of course, when Peter and John walk into the tomb, they do not find the presence of Jesus there. No, all they find are his burial clothes lying in the place where his body had been, which makes it clear that the body had not actually been stolen. It also makes it clear that Jesus will not be contained by any of the expectations we have wrapped him in. His followers wrapped him up in grave clothes, expecting a dead Jesus to stay in the tomb, but Jesus didn't much care for tombs. And he will continue to break out of any tomb of expectations we try to wrap him up in. For he is the risen Lord of heaven and earth, and he refuses to be wrapped up in our political ideologies, or our social agendas, or our personal dreams for fulfillment. He will not allow us to dress him up in whatever wrappings we prefer in order to support our, our lifestyle choices or our position on issues. For that only leads to a dead Messiah who cannot save. But Jesus Christ is alive and he is beyond our control. And he's come to bring us new life, even if it's not what we or any of his disciples were expecting. Well, after discovering for themselves the shocking news, Peter and John go running back to wherever it was they were staying. But Mary, who had run back with them to the tomb, refuses to leave. She was just so tired of, of all the running. So instead, she just stood there outside the tomb, weeping. And it was bad enough that they had murdered her Lord, but now even his body was gone. 
Just then, Jesus comes up behind her and says, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And Mary, thinking that he is the gardener, says, Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where he is and I will go get him. Notice, Mary is far more devoted to a dead Jesus than most of us are to a living one. Notice also that it was only when Mary quit all of her racing around that she encountered Jesus. For it is only when we have stopped our running around that the risen Savior always comes and finds us. And yet I find it interesting that Mary did not recognize him when she saw him. And maybe it was just all the tears in her eyes that blurred her vision. Or maybe it's because she was looking in the wrong direction, her eyes seeking a dead Jesus in a tomb rather than a living one standing right beside her. Maybe. But the truth is there are many things in our lives that, that prevent us from recognizing Jesus, that, that make it hard for us to, to see his presence in our lives. Certainly grief can do that. So can self-righteousness or self-absorption or self-pity or greed. But again, nothing prevents us from seeing the face of Jesus in our lives quite like our expectations for him. And Mary expected a dead Jesus to stay dead. But that is one thing he simply refuses to do. What he does do, however, is speak a single word. Mary. And suddenly, like a lost sheep, recognizing the sweet sound of her shepherd's voice, she knew who he was. For when the word of God spoke, calling out her name, the light ripped apart the darkness once again, opening up her eyes and giving birth to new life and new hope where there once was only death. And so Mary tries to grab hold of Jesus, probably thinking like a, a mother who has finally found her lost child that she's never going to let him go again. But Jesus says, do not hold on to me. For we cannot contain Jesus by our expectations and our agendas any more now that he has arisen than he was before he died. Now all you can do is, is just marvel at all the ways that Jesus just keeps holding on to you. And then like Mary, tell others, I have seen the Lord. For when you've experienced something as incredible as the presence and the power of the risen Savior in your life, you can't help but want to go tell someone else about it. And our dark world is in such desperate need of some good news. And we have such incredible news to tell. And I'm here to tell you, it's true. It's all true. Now I know sometimes it seems as if the darkness in our world is winning, but... But be very sure, Jesus is not on the run from the darkness. No, it trembles at the sound of his voice. For Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and he's on the move. And not even the gates of hell can stand against him. For he holds eternity in his hands. 
And he is calling out to you, inviting you to stop peeking in from the outside, but to come on in because all has been forgiven and there is a place just for you so that you can join him in his mission to take over this world for the kingdom of God by the power of his resurrection. And he's calling out your name. He is calling out your name. The next move is yours. <laughs>